Hey, 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 what's happening, all you beautiful people? We got another episode of The Strange Road for you. I'm your host, Mikey, and of course, course, as always, Bub, the co-host. How you hey, doing, Bub? I'm great. Okay, great. I'm great. Ready great. to rock. This is this is going to be a good one, and we have Stoner the Loner in Master Control. Still, cold, we still wish, holding it down. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Dizbro's out on gigs this week. And uh, wishing him all the best. Hoping he's got smooth smooth travels all week long. Um, but uh, you guys can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, at The Strange Road, the Facebook group. Uh, if you're here on YouTube, we're always keeping these premieres and live streams ad-free. Yep. Uh, super important to us. Great way to support the show is through those super stickers and super chats. And uh, also, if you guys want to... Uh, share. You got to hit that notification bell. That's the big thing. That's number one. If you want to know what's going on, if and when you want to know what's on. going on, yeah. And because we do release our audio versions of our episodes, release at midnight every Monday, uh, most of the time. Yep. And then we, our premieres end up in the evening. So the video versions are available in the evenings, usually around nine p.m. So, yep. you know, if you're uh, not catching our social media posts. Uh, it's always a great way to get notified. So That's true. we appreciate you guys for hanging out with us as always. Um, and tonight we have a, another returning guest. Yes. Okay. Our guest tonight is a neuropsychopharmacology PhD candidate at Maastricht University, there focusing on researching the brain while under DMT inside virtual extended reality. Please welcome back the returning champ, Zeus Tipato. <laughs> Zeus, what's up, brother? Oh well, my gosh, what's up, everybody? How's it going? It's good to see both of you. Yeah. Fantastic. Your outfits are fantastic. I love that t shirt. I love that hoodie. What does that hoodie say? Uh, this, this is from Lost Lands. Yeah. So wow. this was a gig we did this year. Uh, yeah. I did along with Mikey and uh, The Strange Road and um, Excision. And Yeah, it's a big giant headbanger EDM festival out in Legend Valley, out in the country. This beautiful outdoor venue. It's wild. It's a three day festival that's all. He- heavy headbanger EDM like excision, uh, twelve people in, planet people in dinosaur uh, costumes, raptor outfits, it's all walking around. Themed. Yeah, like what? It's, oh, really? it's, yeah. You Just you, you, you YouTube it. it. YouTube and how this shirt looks, this sweater, this hoodie. The whole this is how the whole yeah. place looked. There are dinosaurs. <laughs> there are come out there. There's brontosauruses. There's you T-Rex. totally should. It's wild. You when, like. When is it? When's the next uh, log? It's in September. the l- second last weekend of September. Yep. Every mm, okay. so it's really good weather. It's nice camping great weather. weather out there. You know, great like, for rocking out all day. It's not too hot. Uh, it's the fall in Ohio during that time is the most is the most beautiful. It's on point. It's the best. Yeah. It's late September in Ohio is so put on a hoodie at night. It's the best month. Yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> for sure, the best. Uh-huh. Month. Yeah, man. But it's wild yeah, here have, in like Holland. It's like pouring right now. It's like uh, raining, almost like snowing. It's almost freezing right now. Yeah. Wow. Well, you yeah, guys are yeah. quite a bit more north than we are. So what, yeah. what is it like in the winter there? I mean, you get a lot of snow. Is it? What, what? No, bro. Snow, like ridiculous snow. Yeah, thick snow. Um, yeah, and it like stays for a pretty long time. Yeah. Uh, definitely cold, but you know, I'm embracing this this cold. You know, it's it's really nice. It's like a nice change from like California. You know. Yeah. Well, do you do yeah. any snow sports? No, but I probably should because it's like <laughs> man, I'm telling snowing. you, skiing. Got to get into something. Snow yeah. skiing. skiing I took it up at like the age of 30. It's one of my, it's probably my favorite thing to do. And the only thing that gets me through winters a lot of times is snow skiing. Yeah. It's so fun. It's amazing. Yeah. The the most fun. Yeah. 
tying on a so, little buzz, skiing. It's the best thing ever. Nice, nice, nice. All right. Well, then maybe I'll think about it. I don't know, man. That seems like an um, injury like waiting to happen. <laughs> but honestly, man, if you just don't trivialize it and you do what you should to learn how to master the controls of yeah. going down a mountain – You'll be fine. Yeah. And you don't have it, to go down a serious yeah, run. Just, if you like hiking, think of skiing, even if you took like the easiest green circle everywhere. Mm. Yeah, um, green circles are great. Uh, it's it's still, you're going through, you could be in Colorado on a green circle doing a run that'll take you 45, 50 minutes. <laughs> that you're just cruising through tree lines and nice like, and slow, you're on mountain, like, oh my God. It's like hiking it's without the effort. Yeah. Like you have to stop every now and then just because your legs get <laughs> tired. All, your legs get tired. Your legs get tired from holding you up and like, you know, keeping your, you know, cutting your speed and whatever. So you can stop yeah. then and then like chill, take a moment, continue skiing. Like when we skied at um, Keystone, we got to the backside of a mountain. We took like a double lift to get there. We never saw another person the rest of the day. It was like your own private. It's stupid. It's amazing. Like, I, didn't, I didn't even know it was like that, honestly. Yeah. I, I really didn't know. Speed was yeah. Like I would encourage you to at least give it one shot and, and really try not to uh, get hurt. But, yeah, just enjoy it. Take lessons. Don't learn like I did. <laughs> I fell 40, <laughs> times, no, the, um, 40 Alps, times the first the day. The Alps are like a few hours away from here in like Switzerland. So maybe I'll go to the Alps. Oh, and do some ski. That's, so what, that's what I'm saying, too, is like you have – prime <laughs> location yeah. like yeah. it's like when i lived in california travel nursing and i would tell people i'm going to big sur and they lived out there and they're like what's big sur and i'm like what like why yeah. you, you've never been you don't even know what i'm talking about like okay i don't get this but good yeah. place to take lsd is big sur by the way oh yeah i would imagine <laughs> i would imagine yeah yeah I mean, it's an amazing the Esalon Institute and Deetjens and all those weird little cabins you can rent. I stayed. uh, We didn't stay there. We went to Esalon a a couple times to hit the hot tubs at night. Well, hot tubs over the ocean cliffs. Like you can Google pictures of that at Esalon, and it's just literally like they're suspended hot tubs of natural spring water over the ocean waves crashing, and you have to go at like one in the morning. That's when they open oh. it to the public. So you're there from like one to three. Oh. It's super pitch black dark. It's just, oh. it's an experience. It's an experience. And I've, thankfully I've done it twice. I've had two opportunities. Oh, twice. Yeah, oh. I know. I know. Bragging. I know. Bragging. <laughs> Dude, it's so fun. Well, that's a trip. That would be a great place if you wanted to go there and. But yeah, yeah Lost explore. Lands. Come to Lost Lands next year. You should really think about we, it. We do the stage yeah, two. Yeah, I'm thinking about it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we do the stage two live stream. So our crew comes in and we have different jobs, various jobs throughout the this. But I mean, you're shooting 12 hours a day. It's just like three days straight of yeah. just base. Anywhere base. from 30 to 45,000 people. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's impressive. Like it pops up festival. and it's 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 pretty rocking. I mean, it's the biggest. You would get a kick out of it. Yeah. The last night. You guys took, are like shooting what? Like, what are you guys shooting? <clears throat> shooting uh, the stages, filming the shows. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we're shooting sending the per- that out to homes. Uh, perform. It's called Couchlands. They have their own live stream network. They stream to TikTok and uh, Twitch. So Excision, he's a genius. I mean, he's a he's an artist, but he's the creator of Lost Lands. Like, all the design, everything. That yeah, guy's all the of this, brainchild. All behind. of the gear, all of the merch, you know, is yeah. super well-branded he's and quality and... Yeah, and I I brought a bunch of the cam ops and and bub this way to the back year. at the end at the uh, end of the 
the whole event on Sunday. We were done wrapping up. I was like, all right, guys, let's go into it. I take them back into the woods and they have like three stages back there hidden away from these giant, massive stages that we work on. That we don't even nobody even sees them because we're working all day. So I take them back in there, and it's just a raging party till six, seven in the morning. I mean, those uh, stages they, had that, night. they had that like art installation piece that was like a fire, like a flame that was oh, always yeah. going, but it was going to the music. And so, like when the bass was like hitting, yeah. the flame was like pulsating. <laughs> So people are just laying on the ground in this like weird Bro, like so metal bad. structure that's coming up out of the ground and like flames popping off and you're just that's like wild. What in the hell is going on? Yeah. And then somebody might walk by so in a raptor outfit and you're like, like not a not a not a Walmart one. They I mean they look like a raptor and it's they're in these full huge size. latex crazy outfits that are like Hollywood quality. I mean it's it's stupid. It's stupid. It was so I'm much fun. Cold. It was so awesome. I'm sold, man. I'm, yep. I'm sold. Seriously, like I have to, like now I have to figure out how to get out there. Like, what's the best time to come? We're gonna remind. I'll you. figure it out. We'll put, but we'll I'm, put out the, we'll put out the alert to you. Yeah, I know exactly where you can stay. I mean, if you want to camp and roll in, you know, with us every day, you can do that. Uh, there's lots of ways. I mean, it's you know, we can make it happen. Yep. But, dude, I want to get into everything you got going yeah. on. We've been following you on Instagram, loving the videos. Yes. Loving the shows you've been doing on other people's podcasts. Yeah, um, man. You've been busy. Spreading the word. What is going on with Zeus Tapato? Lay it on us. Man. So, yes, dude. Thank you for those kind words. Yeah, dude. I have been out there, out here, out everywhere, just researching, um, really getting deep into my VR research. We built this amazing experience, this amazing VR experience. I had it, uh, I like tried the final version for the first time on Sunday or, or no, sorry, last Friday. Incredible, man. Incredible. I can't wait for people to just like check it out. And yeah, and then I've been focusing on brain imaging, just getting the correct configuration of where I'm going to look at the brain, where I have been looking at the brain, places that I shouldn't have, places that I should have. And it's pretty loud, man. In order for this to be like, it's it hasn't been done before to look at the brain with VR in DMT using FNIRS to look at the visual cortex. It hasn't been done before. So it I there's a lot of trial and error that has to be done mm. before we go full throttle. So right now, the past few months, I've been really honing down on my technique, honing down on configurations, honing down on scripts to make sure that the blood in the brain is flowing the correct way to make sure that we get all the details, all the measurements. And the great thing is, is that I'm getting so close to actually, you know, doing it full throttle. And I'm so mm. happy. I'm so happy because honestly, guys, like there is a huge part of this research where at first, you know, for example, to, to give a person DMT inside VR, the first thing people say is that, well, why would you give a person DMT inside VR? DMT is it like sort of floods the entire visual field. Why would you put them in VR? Right. So there's a, and and, and the and the reason why, the reason why is because 
Of course, it's about placing a person inside VR, for sure. That's the sort of enticing thing. But it's also about placing a person inside VR before they do DMT. That mm, is where okay. the really enticing stuff is, to, to change their visual field before, because if you can change that visual field before, if, if you could place them in a reality that doesn't really exist in this reality, a virtualized reality, then perhaps you can prompt certain things to happen so that they have a certain trip based on the visual information that they that they actually uh, have before the trip, that they surround themselves with. So, so like packing your bags. Putting your things in your suitcase like, of what you want to hopefully occur. Yeah, it's basically like, yeah, it's it's like it's almost like prompting, mm-hmm. you know, and and it like happens in psychedelics all the time. We yeah. have integration therapists that prompt people mm-hmm. to have certain trips. You have trip sitters mm-hmm. that prompt people to have certain trips. Uh, you even have in psychedelic therapy you have people that you know construct these beautiful audio play list of sounds and whatever to try to guide a person's trip sure you know that's the, so the idea of prompting isn't that out of the ordinary however <clears throat> the idea of visually prompting a person is seen as almost I wouldn't say impossible, but incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult. And that's where my research is. Something that is seen as so incredibly difficult that perhaps people see it as like a scientific impossibility, but I do not see it as an impossibility. I see it as an incredible challenge that has been taking me a long time, a very long time, guys, every single day. But I can say that not only is it possible, but I've done it. I've tried, I've done pilots and those pilots are effective. That's... Wow. Man, you've been, that you've makes, been busy. That, that makes me think of a lot of things. Yeah. So if you can do yeah. that with VR, are we, are we having that done as well in just reality? Right? Like, uh, uh-huh. You know, either so, okay. advertising or whatever you want to say. I mean, is uh, that, right? Like, that's what it makes me okay. think of is my reality I'm in now. If we can do that in another reality, what's to say it's not happening in this reality? Yes, you brought up a very important point. So there's a scientist. He passed away, but he was, a, I think he's from Canada, Charles uh, Heeb, H-E-B-B. Uh, he's a, he was a Fantastic scientist, but he dealt with a bunch of like rats. Like that was his stuff. You know, he also like developed all these great theories, but he used to deal with rats and he would test rats every single day. And he was always in the lab. So he actually brought back some rats to his house and he's like, oh, just get you guys as pets. And, you know, could have a pet and just, and he's like, oh, I'll just build a cool little area for for these rats and everything. And then he's like, oh, I'll build a nice, and so he built a cool little area for the rats to play with, you know, colorful, you know, lots of fun things to play with, social interactions, right. cool stuff. And then he's like, all right, well, 
I'm going to bring some of these rats in and we're going to do some research because that's what we do. You know, I'm going to bring some of these rats in and, and he brought some of those rats that were at home that had this, this sort of, this sort of enhanced experience, this enhanced visual experience, enhanced environment. He brought them in and then he put them through testing. And then he saw that those rats that had this enriched environment, enriched visual environment, enriched visual landscape that those rats actually performed better at task than other rats that were caged up in these sort of like white cages, these lab. So, so then he's like, you know what? Then he developed this idea, this theory that's been tested of enriched environment where enriched environment is that actually just your environment, the, the the you know your environment being colorful your environment oh, yeah. being safe tranquil that by itself can cause a cascade of rebuilding brain cells of of increasing your ability to recover of thinking better of of even like having enhanced or or sort of you know yeah i guess enhanced sensory perception in the sense that you know you see uh, higher contours, you see higher colors. So that's in rats. The question is, does it work in actual humans? Mm. So there was some research that happened about 20 years ago where they had people that were like stroke, you know, stroke people, people had um, strokes. I don't want to call them victims. People that had, you know, uh, strokes and they were, uh, yeah, patients. Yeah. That they were dealing with the whole sort of coming back to, you know, normality basically you know of strokes and he found so they had people that were in an enriched environment they you know colorful environment they had things to do they had you know you know cool things to listen to a very enriched visual landscape and they found that these people recovered faster than Not people that bad. didn't have this <laughs> this enriched visual landscape so interesting yeah. now we got to feed the mind yeah doesn't surprise mind. me at all i mean you know like we look at where we grew up like lots of oh, things to climb dude, to I, things to get into i was just thinking like, about inside my house just like your when house you, when you wonder through my visual house wonderland, for sure it's strange <laughs> well and not only that it Bob is that's a really unique i literally setup. like i thought i if i had a comparison it's like Pee Wee herman's house of like i just as a kid was like i'm gonna have something like that and i don't literally have like the rube goldberg <laughs> devices but you know uh, the pictures hanging in our house the whatever hanging around the artwork most of it is either from our trips, travels, et cetera. So to you. I'm walking yeah. through a scrapbook of my own stuff. My memories are re-enhanced every time I see that monkey on the wall when I walk down the little capuchin. We took that picture. We were on the beach. It it reintegrates that moment every time I walk by and see it. Like I think about it much deeper than just like, oh, it's a cool picture of a capuchin, but it's from Bed Bath mm. & Beyond or, you know, Home Goods store. <laughs> you know, like that doesn't do anything. That doesn't have a reference to me. And so we've kind of built a small arc of a re-enhance your own life while you're living it type He has thing. a house plant that literally vines throughout the entire first floor. Like literally it wow. he's, has in the ceiling of his house is plants. That's great. Because he keeps taking the leads and it's so crazy. Pulling them up further yeah. and further. And it's a pothos, but I mean, it's, 
Yeah, like I've got it swirling a room in our back in our back room in our little oh, sunroom. It's, it's you look up and it's just a little canopy of <laughs> leaves and, and yeah, it's it's cutting crazy. But again, to that enriching of your environment, yeah. what you're saying that we grew up well, in an enriched environment and things that we could do or had access to or be able to explore. But like my house growing up, we didn't have a lot of like like just things on the walls to look at or knickknacks like my mom like wanting to clean or something like that you're just not going to have it so like she would never do stuff like that because it's from a stance of like then i've got to clean around it so like i just don't care i'm like i might not dust it as much but i'm going to have things on shelves and walls and pictures and yeah i'm going to have that visual stimulus i need that like, i want to see like your lost lands hoodie this is perfect <laughs> <Yeah>. yes <laughs> now zeus you probably know better than me but you know you always hear about that study where the rats are you know the cocaine studies where you know they'll stop eating they'll stop uh you know caring about the community all they'll do is go back for more cocaine and then another guy comes along and does a research and gives these rats an enriched environment gives them things to do gives them toys gives them and they set out the cocaine and the rats like nah oh, does really? it a couple times and's like they nah. turned it down after a turned while turned it down and they they weren't sitting there overdosing themselves Interesting. so i don't know if that's like an yeah. urban legend or if you've ever heard of that so, I mean, really, the thing is, is cocaine or cocaine, it's yeah, it, it works on dopamine receptors and dopamine is something that can be activated, not just with cocaine, but you could you can actually activate your dopamine receptors via playing video games yeah, or, you know, slot machines <laughs> or slot. Yeah. Slot machines. Anything that brings you enjoyment and that can be repeated activates dopamine receptors. So perhaps what was happening was that these, you know, rodents were looking at cocaine and they're like, yeah, cocaine's fun, but there's other ways to activate those same receptors. Yeah. And that perhaps that activation is longer sustained than just that quick bump of a dopamine hit and yeah. as in cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. But back to the the virtual reality yeah. that you're yeah putting on the goggles before you go into a session. Yeah. Now, yes. what type of landscapes are we seeing? Is this like completely made up fantastical realities of that's my uh, video wise. What are you, what are we looking at here? Sure. Yeah. So that's a fantastic question. And, uh, and on also, yeah, let's, so let's, yeah, the enriched environment. So, the question is, why VR? Is VR enough? Can VR even deliver an enriched environment? That's really the ultimate question. And as of, I think, 2008, we have the answer. And this one scientist named Hoffman, not the same Hoffman who made LSD, obviously, Albert. but a different Hoffman. No, not, no, not him, but a different Hoffman who does VR research. He looked, he had a group of subjects, a group of patients, subjects, and they were veterans that were dealing with very painful burn therapy. They were burned in battle when they mm. have to do like like skin grafting, very oh, yeah. painful, mm. you know, very horrific stuff. Um, shout out to all the uh, best, by the way. But um, so he looked at these people and, and he's and of course, it's painful. It's it's tremendous. It's, it's 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 like traumatic. And he and he said, OK, what if we place these people in a very cold environment, but virtually cold. Let's let's give them a VR experience where they're 
walking around and there's penguins, there's snowmen, there's snowfall, there's snowballs. They can like throw snowballs at these penguins and it's icy glaciers everywhere. So he did that. He built this thing called Snow World, I believe it was called, uh, early early 2000s. And he placed these people inside of this world and come to find out the people that were in this virtualized icy environment had an incredible reduction in pain. Hmm. Like tremendous reduction in pain just by changing their environment with virtual with virtual reality. Wow. Keep in mind, this is this is like 2005. So the VR back then isn't even as close as what we have right now. Grainy and kind of pixelated, you know. Pixelated, grainy. Yeah. So even in that very basic primitive virtual reality, that tech was enough to essentially trick the brain into believing that this reality was reality. Hmm. Wow. And and they started healing because of just the sensation that their brain is is saying, hey, this is like, you know, when you hurt your ankle, you ice your ankle down. And, you know, it reduces the inflammation and, and yeah. begins to heal or, or what? I mean, is well, that what we're talking about? Well, here? like a burn yes. victim. So it's painful yeah, it's because like cool. You and, think of like getting road yeah. rash, you get a road mm-hmm. rash, yeah. road burn, you fall and scrape off that top yeah. layer of skin or however far down it goes. It's hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. So mm-hmm. I've, I've, been I've worked there. on a burn unit before as a travel nurse. And yeah, you go down to a certain room, like the trolley room where you like you have to bathe and like take care of like the skin grafts and this and that. And I mean, yeah. when you're dealing with somebody that's burnt up to like. 30, 40, 50, Sad. 60, 70 percent of their body, like that, that's a large swath of work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, what I was going to say, though, that I think is interesting is so you're doing this virtual reality to kind of prime the brain to get them into that state to help them get there, right? Mm-hmm. It makes me think because, because it sounds astounding, but we've talked so much in, in all the different episodes and years of how how, you know, mental imaging, mental projection, you know, that, that you were saying it earlier, relaxing your fingertips and this and relaxing your whole body, but trying to help somebody go through that, right. By just saying, we're going to do a mental exercise. I want you to think about throwing snowballs at penguins and this and that. Perhaps if people could literally get to that and follow that, we could duplicate it on some level. Right. But I think it shows such a proof in the pudding of going, we've built this virtual reality where now that's in essence what we're doing. We are translating this. We want you to think about these things to get your body to and mind to release this response, right? To prep you for it, right? Is that kind of a primer? A primer, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think people would be surprised at how incredibly easy it is to trick the brain into believing that something that isn't real was actually real. Uh, there was a study that happened in 2018, I believe, where you had people that were like um, addicts of like cocaine, methamphetamine, and they would put them, they would put a VR headset on them and they would place them in a virtualized setting that had stuff like razors that had, you know, powder on the table that had like all these sort of drug paraphernalia items everywhere. And just based on this virtualized drug setting, they had cravings of these drugs yeah. that showed up in the brain. So 
the idea of VR tricking the brain, that's already been established. The tech that we have currently is enough. Now, the true question is, can we prime the brain with VR so that we can have an actual certain experience? We, or perhaps we can shift, a, shift an actual uh, experience with VR before and during. Now, that is interesting. That's an interesting thing. And what would it be? What would you show them? What am I showing them? Yes. Yes. That's the ultimate question. And it's interesting. There's there's a there's a really good physicist named David Glowacki. And he's also researching VR and and not psychedelics yet, but he's researching VR. He's a very good friend of mine. I'll I'll be going to his university in Spain to talk to him in February. But he brilliantly had this really dope study that came out, I think, last year, where so obviously with psychedelics, there's this thing of like ego dissolution, you know, where mm -hmm. where you dissolve yourself and you become one with this sort of bigger <laughs> thing, right? Which is a very, you know, sort of valid thing. So how do you sort of make that happen in VR? So what he did was he had people with VR headsets on. He had he built a place, a sort of virtualized place. People had VR headsets on across the planet. So it wasn't like they were in the same room. They had one guy had a headset on like um, Idaho. Other guy had a headset on like Iceland or whatever. But they were still inside this virtual area, That's right? Cool. And it's so, so cool. VR tech is ridiculous. Um, so they they all had they, they were all in this room. And and but you've seen VR, how in VR you see a person that's like a person, but they're like virtualized. They have the body, they have the shoulders, they have the arms. Yeah, they're like some like blocky virtualized avatar, but you could still discern a physical structure of a person, a physical mm -hmm. head, shoulders, and everything. So he's like, okay, yeah, that's cool, but let's change that. So instead of having these virtualized shapes of a body that we associate with a person, a head, a shoulders, and arms, let's change that. Let's have people be this sort of cloud of particles hmm. where you recognize a person, but not as a human, as this amorphous cloudy particle thing okay <laughs> and then when you get close to a person you don't touch them you become them you merge with them because your cloud of particles are merging with someone else's in a cloud of particles oh, so you become you like merge with people you don't you merge with them and, and that experience by itself was so powerful that people claimed that not even claimed they said that they had almost a, like a psychedelic trip where they like after the whole VR uh, session, they were crying hmm. because it was so tremendous. It was so potent. It was such a tremendous experience to see a person and then merge with a person. And all that's in VR without psychedelics. That's wild. It's blowing my mind right now, yeah. man. Jesus. You got me Pretty in trance. Stuff, yeah. Cloud people. Blowing my mind. <laughs> Cloud people. But hey, it makes sense, though. It's like one of those. Totally does. How can You're we tricking. really reimagine this? And, and again, why do we have to play by the same rules? 
Yeah. If you're making it you up, you're, yeah, do it however you want to. I love that. So are these things that you read about, all these different examples, I mean, is this, that's part of your, your journey with kind of establishing your own methodologies? And, and is that something that you've, you've recently uncovered, um, these other VR studies? So it's, it's pretty wild. The guy that I just told you about, David Glowacki, who's a physicist in Spain, I read his paper earlier this year, and I was blown away. The one that I just told you about, the whole mm-hmm. group VR. Yeah. yeah. I, I read it, and I was blown away by it. And then fast forward to this summer. I was in Berlin. I was giving a, I was like on a panel about you know, psychedelics and uh, visual stuff. And it was this really cool conference called Insight, really dope stuff. But the final day, there was I was just sitting there because my friend was presenting and I wanted to support her. And then I just sort of sat there. And then I, I, I saw this, this guy get up. And he's talking about the same study that I read. And then I realized, no, this is the guy. This is the guy that <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the guy. Like, it, it took a little That's bit so to cool. put nice. together. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, this dude is the guy. So yes. afterwards, I, I, I like I, I talked to him like, yo, what's up? How's it going? Fast forward to a few hours after that, his presentation, like around, you know, 11 p.m., we're partying in Berlin together. Uh, partying in Berlin, meaning that you're, you go hard in Berlin. That's all I'm going to say. Not bad. Um, you go hard, but 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 we we like end up partying until like ten a.m. Jesus, and we're and we're talking, we're literally on scooters cruising around Berlin at ten a.m. Going to a second party that we were invited to, um, and we're talking about physics, we're talking about VR, we're talking about psychedelics, and in this evening, in this conversation that we had. Like, I was so inspired, and I I developed so many ideas and concepts to incorporate in my research. And he's a good friend now. We're we're friends now. So it's 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 important to understand that good ideas can come from anywhere, and you have to be open to good ideas and open to any ideas. And then you have to incorporate these ideas. So yes, what his research definitely inspired some of the stuff that I have incorporated into my own research. And we're actually like working together now on this you know, project. So it's it's really, really cool. And, it, and, and the fact that I have that guy, David Glowacki, you know, a, a, a WhatsApp text away is just Cool. Mind-blowing. That's amazing. That's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, you would think, if anything in science, psychedelic researchers would work together. I mean, it's kind of got to be inherently built it. You know, you hear about people that are kind of battling and you have rivals within your your certain scholarly pursuits or your university. But it's, I'm sure that that open-minded, if you're a psychedelic researcher, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you know, it depends. Who knows? You might have very strong, like, you might not mm. think the same way about how it all works. You know what I mean? Well, that's true. I, listen, actually, you know what? 
Yes, you would think it would be very open. And it's pretty wild for an entire field of science that's built in ego dissolution. <laughs> Surprisingly, you have some pretty big egos. Just like <laughs> All right. That's where I was getting. That's where I was trying to get to. Too funny. Uh, yeah. It's just like anything else, man. Well, okay. okay but keep... <sighs> I think because it's like in that gamut, it's like, so you got Zeus, you got whoever, 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 and you all got your theories and paths. So it is like, well, Zeus might think he's on the right path and the other researcher might think they're on the right path. And that's why it's very important, though, to get the data, to get the, the research done, to do the due diligence, right, to do the work, to really spell it out and figure out where we're going with it, I think is part of it. And even then, we still might not know, right? Yeah, man, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like people really can't steal your, hmm. like, people can't steal your ideas, but they could steal your direction. And with psychedelics, it's such a, you know, the field is wide open. So a lot of people have cornered certain directions of research. People say that I've cornered the entire field of VR and psychedelics, and which I'll take it. You know, I don't think anyone is doing what I'm doing, and I talk about it very openly. Mm-hmm. And then about two weeks ago, I saw that the University of Zurich is they want to get into psychedelic and view our research. Imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. From, <laughs> some, from, from people that I actually talked to when I first began my research. So the, I don't look at that like they're taking my idea. They perhaps are taking the direction of my idea because the direction is there's very, very valid stuff there. I take it as I'm happy that I've inspired an entire research, an entire field of research, an entire line of research. I, I don't take it like you're take you're biting my style. I, I I I don't have time to do that because I have so many like there's not a single person on this planet that will achieve what I'm achieving with my research. Cause I because it would take so it would take so much effort mm-hmm. to get to the point where I'm at right now, and, and right. I don't think anyone would do that. I, well, I don't think. There's, I was about to say yeah, to get you blaze the trail to get up to speed to where you yeah. are. It's going to be, and to, to have the right person that wants to, that's you know a former writer of High Times and other psychedelic, someone that's been in the community, if you will. Yeah, um, it's it's a huge commitment. Like yeah. you got to have somebody that's like who's like Zeus. But again, he took Nobody. the he took the time and effort and initiative. Like you can't fault him yeah. for that. And anybody else that goes down that path, you know, maybe somebody else would have got there eventually, but they didn't, right? So anybody else that shows up, they go, "This path was carved by Zeus, and Zeus is already down this road this far." Now they might run and go past you on that path because you've already set it out there. But again, you kind of like laid that groundwork for others to even consider it and take their time to investigate it, right? So it it, it would be tough to catch you because you are so far gone. It's like. Me trying to catch Jordan on playing guitar, my brother, he's light years ahead of me. Like, it doesn't matter how long I play guitar, I'm never going to get as good as him. It's just a reality of life. So (laughs) um, I think there are some of those immutables. Now, somebody else might come along and put, you know, another piece into the 
chain. And that's what you can and, hope uh, for there yeah, is hopefully somebody yes, builds onto your work. Yeah. yeah. When you, you've hit it directly on the head, it's, it's about, yeah, it's, I mean, you have to look, you, you know, it's, it's important to look at this. People tend to look at psychedelic research in a very temporal frame of like the next year, the next two years, the next five years. No, it's about developing a path for humanity to, to go towards so that in the future, we can really look at things like the visual experience, how that can be changed, how sensory perception overall can be created without actual sensory without actual um, sensory stimuli for example it would be amazing if my research goes down a path which develops a way for humans to live extended sensory lives basically so let's say for example you don't have the ability to go to Dubai or the Maldives or something, mm-hmm. you know, but if we could potentially activate your brain so that your brain activates as if you are seeing these things and experiencing these things, then that would be fantastic. So I think that really is the ultimate path of psychedelics. And if I can inspire, if, if I can inspire that or set forth a path in the next hundred years that we could develop, you know, entire sensations, entire sensory sensations that go beyond VR, that perhaps even incorporate psychedelics so, so that our brain gets into a certain state in which we, we actually adopt these sensory, these sensory sensations and sensory um, stimuli better, that would, that would be great. That'd be fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, me personally, put me up on like a virtual Machu Picchu or that'd be interesting on top of the pyramid or, you know, somewhere where you want to get into a state of mind before you jump into a, a serious endeavor like vaping DMT, you know, give me a, put me in a place that is heavenly before I go in. I don't know. That's what Mm -hmm. comes to my mind. Like, Put me up in some Mayan pyramid or something. So like, yeah, and and I'm happy you brought that up because one thing about virtual reality, or there's a few things, but one thing is that it allows us to place ourselves in environments that are impossible, that are absolutely impossible. Yet, if you're in VR, your brain can't really discern between whether this is fake and whether it's actually happening. Yeah. As we we've t- like talked about the couple papers that I talked about earlier. So that right there, just, just that simple fact that we can, ch- so, okay, you are, you, you've heard, you, you already understand that um, psychedelics are so dependent on setting. Mm-hmm. Setting is such a huge thing in an actual trip, and setting is the environment that you're in. Of course, 
if you take LSD and you're in a very sort of shady environment, a you know, warehouse that's dingy, that's grimy, <laughs> you're probably not going to have a good experience, you know? No. Um, or you showed up at UPS and you took the wrong, you know, <laughs> ibuprofen <laughs> gel cap that morning. Like, damn it, so, it's going to be a long day. So, like, just right there tells you that, for some reason, we, we don't know why, we don't know why, but it is that psychedelics are so dependent on the setting, incredibly dependent on the setting. So if we can understand this idea of setting precisely, scientifically, then perhaps we can build optimal settings that are impossible to achieve in reality. But these optimal settings can happen with VR, with virtualizing our setting to have the optimal experience of an actual trip, of an actual um, psychedelic. Man. So are we talking about like mandala visuals? Are we talking about like these kind of repeating worlds or what are those called? Oh, Mandelbrot sets? Yeah. I mean, what what are we looking at here? I'm just trying to – or. Yeah. Do you guys already have well, the experience? Or is that like proprietary? Can we not yeah, go to that? I don't know if I'm. <laughs> is that IP? Is that intellectual property? I just well, so tell I, me if I, I've overstepped. So no, I can tell you that number one, yes, we built something that only we have. Wow. And I experienced it for the first time last Friday, Ooh. and you know I was blown away. That it was better than what I thought it would be. Hmm. So what we're doing right now is, yeah, we're, so, okay, let me go back before. So before we, I actually had a really good um, research. I I just finished a dope research, a really amazing research where, where I asked people about their DMT experience. And I had about... 580 people and it's actually still going on it's still going on i'll send you the link um but i developed an entire scale for people to assess the visual experiences of their most significant dmt trip and like every possible visual disturbance visual modulation is included in this 75 question survey and you assess whether it happened in the beginning the peak or the end of the trip and you could say zero to 100 and what is one of these questions okay well uh when i was experiencing dmt it felt like someone or something came from with like within me out for example that's a very common thing that people have when they're also I saw something that was so infinite that I couldn't tell where it began or end. Mm, sure. These are like very, very sort of common things that we see in the DMT experience. So I gave this questionnaire, this survey study to 580 something people, and I got quantified data on the DMT experience. And based on this data, and based on how the brain works, based on 
where we've I've developed our team, not only myself, I got to give props to uh, Bettina Sorger, Kim Cooper, John, John Raymakers. We've, we have elements of the brain mapped. So what does that mean? If I'll just tell you guys, uh, I'll just, yeah, I'll, I'll just tell you guys, I don't, I don't care. I may get in trouble, but I don't care. Yes. So we've, <laughs> so we have discovered through our research that we can tell what's happening in a trip. But there's four factors that we that were that that we can determine. We can actually see. Okay, this happened in this part of the brain act, uh, was active. Now, what are these things? Number one, we can see if a person is tripping in black and white or in mm. color. We can see that brain activity. Wow. What? Yeah. That's awesome. Number two, we can see if a person saw a face in the trip. We can see this very distinct brain activity. If a person sees a face or recognizes a face, whether it's an entity, whether it's their cousin, whether it's an alien, we can see this activity Correlate in the brain. That's number two. That's wild. I'm getting speechless here. This is <laughs> amazing. Number three, we can see if a person is tripping and they're looking at something that's going by really fast or like, or I'm not at all, just sort of um, static. We can see distinct brain, distinct brain activity. And number four, which is the coolest thing, or they're all cool, but this is the four is that we did this thing called polar angle mapping, where if a person is experiencing some incredible thing on the left side of their uh, visual field, the left, the left side, you know, or the right side, or the top, or the bottom, or the top left, or the bottom right, we can see where a person is tripping in their visual field. Jesus. That's so crazy. Uh, and this is just sounds like the start of findings. This took a long time to find. But yes. I would assume, though, it's helped probably even help crop up more questions though as you go holy cow we could map out what what block they're seeing this in and their cardinal field of direction like holy cow let's what can we go to next like that's where it's going to get exciting I faces think, is, that kind of freaked me out a little bit the faces one yeah. yeah that's interesting because yeah i've faces the yeah go i've on. heard about some faces <laughs> like so you're saying it's somebody they might know them or they might not it doesn't matter but so you know we, that they're seeing a face Right. We can't tell if the face they're seeing is a face they remember, they like, no. Right. Um, yes. So it's, is it just showing up yeah. on like a map of the brain in real time where it's, you know, kind of like you see in the movies where there's like a yellow and a red. Well, and this a is where they're yeah. putting the cap on. That's... Right. Right. So, yeah. So you've seen the cap uh, mm -hmm. on my Instagram you've seen, and you've probably seen it uh, before. That's functional near infrared spectroscopy. That's the imaging that I use. That, that's the tech that I use to look at the brain. Yep. And the cool thing about this is that you've heard of fMRI, right? The mm -hmm. fMRI, the giant mm -hmm. machine. Yeah. 
So the both texts, they share this thing called a bold response, blood oxygen level dependent. And what that basically oh. means is that you're looking at the brain, the blood in the brain, and you're looking at two things. You're looking at whether the blood in the brain has oxygen or if it doesn't have oxygen. Deoxy, oxy. That, that's sort of how you look at the brain with FNIRS. Now, with an fMRI, the problem is you get inside, you can't move your head. You're stuck because there's a giant like you know thing and it's like it's, it's pretty well stuff but with fnirs with the cat that you saw that i had on my head you can uh move your head and the reason why is because it's a different type of tech so it uses this is this is the wild this is so wild what i'm about to tell you so fnirs uses near infrared light so it shoots photons of light in your skull yep that goes to your brain and based on how the this these photons bounce off the blood in your brain, it can tell if the blood has oxygen or if it doesn't have oxygen. Based on how it bounces off the iron in your brain, that's how fine of a calculation it is. Yep. That's crazy. So, so with this tech, number one, we can put a person in VR. Because now you can move your head, you can do stuff, you can like you know move around. Right. You can still see this brain activity happening. So, are you moving away from the MRI, or is that just um, so a more of a is, deep look? Is it you know the the, yes, the nearest uh, cap is you know we'll go here and then we'll go there if we need to go look deeper at it. Yeah, so you hit it right on the head. So fMRI, the cool thing about that is that you can actually go really deep in the brain. Mm -hmm. You can really look deeply in the brain, to the, the thalamus, into the periaqueductal gray, into the cingulate cord, really deep cortical. Or, well, uh, and you can make those reading. slices, you know, super, super thin yeah. so that you can really. Super. Yep. Yeah, like you can really get deep. But the problem with, or the problem with fNERS is that the tech is near infrared light. So you can only look at the sensory areas of, of the brain, the mm -hmm. visual cortex, the auditory cortex, which is important, obviously, when you're tripping, because when you're tripping, it's obviously your brain, the sensory areas of your brain are super active because you're seeing stuff, you're hearing stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's the good part. We can, we can penetrate the sensory areas of the brain but we can't go deep with like the thalamus or the hypothalamus or all that right, great right. stuff. Yeah. So so it's it's so so you know it's it has its limitations. Yeah, for but, sure. So can I ask, based off of that, what would be something that say you found with the um, the cap? You know, you're doing the preliminary, That's and then it. you go, hey, okay, we yeah. found this. How do we go deeper on the uh, fMRI and? Um, yeah. really investigate that or, or do you have any kind of instance that you're allowed or able to share about that of kind of sussing out yeah. that, that uh, process? For sure. So there's a fantastic neuroscientist named Matt Walls. Shout out to Matt Walls. He plays guitar. Uh, nice. Maybe at Imperial College London, but he's a, he works with 
fMRI. And I saw him at a conference in France earlier this year. And I was, you know, I, I followed him on Twitter. He's a very cool guy. We, we've been talking for a pretty long time. But it was my first time, you know, meeting him, talking to him. Yeah. So we had a good conversation. And I'm like, yo, Matt, is it possible? Is it possible to look at the sort of surface cortical region areas that we can see with FNIRS, the top layer of, of the brain, and based on this top layer of the brain, the activity that's happening, can we, is it possible to understand what's happening deeper in the brain based on this activity? It's up. And he's like, he's like, yeah, it's possible. And it's this thing called thalamocortical circuits. So thalamus is deep in the brain. Cortical regions are at the top of the brain. There's correlations between what happens in the top and what happens deeper in, in the brain. They're called thalamocortical circuits. You got to be skilled, bro. You have to be like a freaking genius to figure this out. But it's possible to determine what's happening deeper in the brain based on what's happening in the top part of, of the brain. Yes. So am, am I moving away from fMRI? I can't use fMRI because I'm using VR. Yeah. I'm using virtual reality. Yeah, yeah. And in virtual reality, you have to move your head. You have to, you know, like immerse yourself. You have to be in this virtualized reality, you know? Yeah. And you can't do that with fMRI. You yeah. can't stick somebody tripping in one of those things. Probably wouldn't be, you know. Well, so you, you can but they have to be very still yeah right right okay i see yep it's it's a tough ask though yeah because any mri machine is still loud right like so it's still just not a great experience of trying to get like how many of those have you been a part of mris yeah personally myself having them i've had no no like as a nurse oh yeah yeah i've helped yeah, a lot of uh, sedation cases and stuff like that when people like really are uncomfortable going into a metal tube that is really loud and it's like the scene from The Exorcist when they take that girl and she's getting all, I mean it's how loud they are they're just like crack crack bang 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 mm-hmm. like it's not fun and they're like okay here's a warm blanket and like <laughs> make sure you don't yeah. have any metal in your pockets yeah that'd be tough yeah too. that's important too make sure you don't have any metal in your pocket because yep. it's like a giant magnet and there's actually a um, story. Uh, <laughs> of a person that went into an fMRI machine, <laughs> they thought they had a silicone oh. butt plug, but it was a metallic metal butt plug. Oh, Jesus. I think I saw this on Twitter. So, yeah, when they went in, it was like, they said it was like a rail gun. Oh, my God, bro. Watch a video yeah. of somebody walking into an MRI and they'll take a metal chair or something and watch that thing suck that out of their hands. Like, oh, wow. Like yeah. they pull with like lots of force. Like, dang. Yeah. Right. It's just a big, it's a huge yeah. magnet. Yeah. It's a huge magnet. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, the last time I went inside one, we for somehow at our uh, lab, we have like one of the biggest fMRI, fMRI machines on the planet. Wow. Nine Tesla fMRI machine, which is like, Insane. I think there's like maybe like three or four on the planet. Maybe right. it could be more. Right. It's insane. But I went in a 7.4 Tesla FMR machine, which is very, very intense, you know, very intense. 
And uh, yeah, man, I, I just did that just just for, you know, because we're always sort of testing stuff with our lab and, you know, hey, do you want to can I use your brain for the day? So I'm like, oh yeah, sure, why not? I wish I lived and, nearby. Uh, I would love to come in and be a subject. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I went inside this giant 7.4 Tesla machine and bro, it's it's like you're like on a tray. You can't move. You get like restrained. Your head sort of in this thing. There's they they put these things on your ear so that you won't get bothered by the sound. Yeah. And then you get like sort of like launched slowly in a tray. But the thing is, the the like magnetism is so intense when you first get in that when you're in the tray and you're going in the fMRI machine, you're like your sort of vestibular sensations are so intense that you don't feel like you're going in. It feels like you're you're like sort of like spinning around. Hmm. That's so weird. You know, you're really yeah, because the like magnetism and your brain just sort of really like I guess yeah. like adapting this like high magnetic field that it's yeah. like but then you get used to it and you're fine. The magnet is it like interacting with your the kind of heat and the energy that your body's putting out or, or I would definitely I, like, know. yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know enough about an MRI to really speak on it deeply. I just, you know, the concept and how it does it with a magnet, et cetera, of how it penetrates you by throwing out those magnetic waves basically. Right. And making that yeah. signal bounce so, back. And yeah. So what's happening, it's pretty clever. It's, it's really looking at the, like the actual um, iron in your blood. Hemoglobin, your hemoglobin has iron, and it's just looking at this sort of field, this attraction of iron and magnetism, and right. it, it sees what's happening in your brain. Never knew based that. on that. I never yeah. reconstructs you. And then what we were saying earlier is about slicing. Is mm. think of like taking a, a a ham at a deli, and you slice. You could slice thick or thin slices. So if you go to an MRI or a CT machine. The doctors, when I used to work, they'd be, you know, I want them at this level or this level. And I don't even remember the increments anymore, but they can get them down to like, like millimeters, centimeters thin. So like they can go through yeah. you looking down like by slice by yeah. slice. Like you an ice have, core. Like millions like of slices ice, yeah, of yeah. you of you know, like this way. Yeah. So if yeah. they need to look right here or right there or right there or right, you know, it can get very specific. So That's in a so very fine-tuned device like yeah. that or machine like you get even better you know uh yeah. readouts and, and data and so that's really cool that's really cool yeah it's that's super exciting cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah dude brain imaging technology is wild man I, i'm fortunate enough to like like i said man I, i'm around these people that are like just i don't know man like geniuses like i i don't feel like i'm the smartest person in the room by far whenever i'm in the lab bro I, i'm yeah. just well, away and and also um I, I gotta say I my I, I'm like I want to say this as well. This is very important. The future of psychedelic research is women, dude. Women are crushing the game right now when it comes to the the greatest setups, the greatest you know research. We in our like lab alone, we have Natasha Mason, who's a straight up genius at her research. She's looking at glutamate in the brain. We have Aline Hagen, which is finding ADHD can be reduced with psychedelics. Uh, hmm. Catherine Legg, which is looking at synthetic cannabis and fMRI. Lily, which is she's she's the first person to ever do VR and psychedelic research. So I'm surrounded by like like 
very, very like brilliant women. And I really believe that like, that's definitely the future of psychedelic research. For yeah, we would definitely. love that's cool as hell. <coughs> Stoner yeah. did mention, we had a conversation. We were kind of talking about this episode and, you know, we talked about, Hey, let's hit Zeus up and, and see if there's anybody else in this field that he knows that would want a platform to come on to and talk. Yeah. If it's just, you know, any of those women that you put the word talked out to about them. would, you know, we would be happy to have anybody that's looking to get their research out, you know? Yeah. Get, like I said, give them a platform to get out and just talk and get their voice heard. And like I said, just, I think it's going to keep growing, right? The, the, the interest and in the expansion of this field. I'm sure if you look at the trends of it, it's, it's growing rapidly. Well, just right? look at all the, for-profit companies and the research firms. I don't even. The, I don't even. It's crazy from that end. Like, yeah, but I mean, know, from like the, the weed rush. That was that's like old news. The new rush is psychedelic companies. Like that's the new gold rush. Well, this is an area I that's mean, been needed to be studied since Leary was doing it, and then it got shut down, and you know, and it's yeah. slowly coming back. Like this is a huge gap in our history of understanding. People were still doing it for decades, years. right? But yeah. you can't get good data on it. So it's like all it did was hinder everything for that long. Psychedelic use in America never stopped. No. From the 60s. People have been tripping all the way through till now. Yeah. Dude, you brought up a fantastic point about, like, like since Timothy Leary, you know, like the dude was a professor at Harvard right? <laughs> and he got kicked out of Harvard because, right. you know, then Nixon said that he was the most dangerous person in the world, everything. But propaganda. Also, after Timothy Leary, psychedelic research kind of died off. Like even in the 50s, right? there was some research that was happening in America, in Tokyo as well mm. and then ever, ever since leary it stopped and it stopped and it was about to start up in the 80s it was getting very close and then ronald reagan <laughs> had this campaign this dare campaign just say um, no and all this stuff oh my god that was that was us in fourth grade that was us man fourth or fifth grade the gipper so, the gipper so just the, we were the, dare the graduates gipper. So just imagine, so not even imagine, he basically just an entire generation of would-be researchers mm -hmm. were just stifled. Like the whole he he prevented an entire generation of would-be scientists mm -hmm. from looking at psychedelics based on this propaganda stuff. So really, the psychedelic field right now, it's very behind. Oh yeah, very yeah. behind. Yeah, and, and it it feels like Reagan in that Dare campaign, the Just Say No, and all that stuff was the culprit. Wow. And, and meanwhile, they're funding operations in Nicaragua with massive amounts of CIA cocaine, or <laughs> or they're dosing Johns they and have MK Ultra fake, programs, fake crack rock that no, they brought up during them, the White House. They're giving them LSD up in Canada and. At other different places, you know, stop. the CIA was. Just stop. So that was the thing, though. I think they realized, like, wow, this is powerful stuff, and we need to research it, but nobody else should be researching it. So we're going to put it in these clandestine programs and research it mm -hmm. in very nefarious ways. Um, mm -hmm. But at a broader scale, I think it, like, it, it's, it's just it's something we don't all think drugs about are illegal unless we're the ones bringing them in. Mm. Well, yeah. that's what it is. 
Mm. You know, they they don't want you to buy the competition's drugs. You want to buy the the, the mm, black wow. ops the black ops funded drugs. And they're all Damn. working. They were all working with the cartels. They were working with General uh, Noriega from Panama. They had those those lines. I mean, you know, Barry Seal, the whole story, the, the governor of I Arkansas just watched at the that time. Movie the other Bill day. Clinton was the governor American of Arkansas. Name. That's where that airport was, Mina. Bill Clinton knew all about it. You know, his his brother Roger, all those guys were connected into that airport and that airline company that was up front. It's like it's you know wild. he gets caught at the end and and the governor rings the phone and and Tom Cruise is like, hey, every one of you guys, you know, just let me go. You all have a Cadillac. They're like, yeah, right. You're you're done. You're gonna burn in hell. And he's like, all right. All of a sudden, the phone rings, takes it. It's the governor. It's Bill Clinton on the line. She walks out, uncuff him. He he's free to go. And they're like, what? He's like, should have taken the caddy. That's how that movie ends. <laughs> I mean, so what, what is just what is that? What, what is that? American, American made. made. Yep, it's yeah. on Netflix right now. If you have Netflix, what is it called? American, American made. made. Yep, it's the Tom Cruise plays the part of Barry Seal and how he. And sorry for spoiling that, but it's been out for like ten years. So yeah, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's already passed. It's a wild yeah. story. <laughs> it's kind of in that same line of like, uh, because they all kind of circle back to the the drug routes of like. Escobar and you know through those lines it's not the complete ending but it's it's a pretty big part of it but anyways sidetracking yeah back to your t-shirt uh first of all let's just let's shout out the t-shirt uh American Civil Liberties Union and I love it and it says the the war on drugs drugs is bullshit bullshit. there we go full circle thank you established in 1920 Uh, but you know it's all about targeting I love it thought Really, when you're talking about uh, thought control, psych- psychedelics especially, it's not necessarily about the drug and the effects and what it's doing to society. It's about, oh damn, people have some serious too many ideas. They're going to start getting wise to all the bullshit we're doing and this corrupt, you know, banking government, uh, you know, banking cartels and and all these things where you know taxes are through the roof and and people have it just you know. It, it's not a good thing to keep things the way they are. So it's not going to keep the status quo. But we're breaking through that you know, right happy. now. Bread and circus yeah. is a better method, right? Yeah. Like, isn't it like wild how the same substances that we were told was going to make you a, um, you know, whatever, um, glass of orange juice. Denizen, yeah, like a glass of orange juice, denizen, loser. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah scar in life, you know, you're, you're going to be whatever, a, living say, on yeah. the streets, whatever. Living on the streets, yeah. Those same drugs are right now the drugs that are showing potential for decreased depression, decreased yeah. anxiety, increased happiness. How wild is that? You you almost if, if you almost say you almost want to say that like that it was all on purpose in in the sense that it's all projection. Had, it's Nixon, all projection. It's all projection. Nixon's chief of staff admitted it on his deathbed. It's all projection. That the war though. on drugs was about persecuting black people and hippies. Race, yes, curious. That's, I mean, you know, they made the drugs illegal so they they couldn't get them for their ideas. So they got them Uh, for the drugs they were using. uh, 
That's exact. That's a quote. That's a wild uh, catch. Quote, you can look that up. And that's neat. It's very yeah, that, disturbing that it's like he we'll was not. Some he was not on you. board with any of it. He always felt bad. Well, it questioned. It made people question the war efforts, especially like nobody wants to go to war joke. if you're on. You know, we were getting whipped. There was no winning that well, war, that and they kept it going, knowing for four or five years into the seventies, people don't realize that like it went right mm. into the mid seventies. We were still in Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Because they illegalized all the drugs. And then all that whole movement just, you know, all mm. burn out. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a big psyop, I feel like, after a while, right? And it's funny what Zeus is yeah, saying, too. Like, you get rid of some of these things, maybe you take care of a lot of, like, depression and anxieties if we just had... Maybe that's what we're missing in the world, and that's why it's not as it doesn't feel as happy sometimes, because we're keeping things well, like this from coming in and expanding that happiness. So, Why can't we okay. raise that vibrational energy of the planet so, a little bit higher? So, you know, it's important to look at the drugs that humanity has allowed to accept. Absolutely. For example, um, caffeine. I mean, there's a Starbucks on every corner. Yep. I had it today. Caffeine's a drug. Yes, sir. It's a drug that our society has accepted. Uh, you look at tobacco. Yep. It's so incorporated in our in our entire society that we at at jobs we have breaks to smoke mm-hmm. tobacco to smoke weed. Heck, or, no, no, weed. Sorry, to smoke <laughs> cigarettes. I wish we had pretty awesome uh, company. Drink. Hey, pretty soon yeah, maybe here in Ohio. Who knows? But yeah, yeah, actually yes. But look at caffeine, man. Like some people literally can't get out of bed. Until they have their caffeine, mm-hmm. they don't function without their caffeine. That's called addiction. An addiction. Yeah, yeah. you're damn right. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're right. Sure. Quick story. When I was on vacation with my family this last week, there was one day where we were just traveling all day. It was like, get up, and we had to go. All of a sudden, 4 o'clock rolled around. I didn't drink coffee today. My head is killing me. Oh, the headaches. Borderline migraine. I was like, oh, my God. uh, This is terrible. It's caffeine. Like, I need to stop. This is ridiculous. And I don't drink that much coffee or caffeine. Cup a day. Yeah, but still. Anyways, continue. But you're right. It it is an addiction. Yeah. And then, then of course, you know, alcohol, you're bringing that in. That's just Mm -hmm. one of the most, like, traumatically bad drugs but that's but that's already um, known it's already established uh but so just imagine right if society chose instead of having your coffee in the morning you had a gram of shrooms or a coca leaf you know what you'd be looking or at a coca leaf. You know or a what coca you'd be looking leaf. at in my opinion the new renaissance in my personal opinion, you would be well, looking you at what. a civilization-changing element that you're throwing into this into this planet. I'll tell you what; it might be a synchronistic thing, but maybe that's why you're doing this research and why we're at this point in the world with AI and the possibility of you know automating all kinds of jobs and functionalities and this and that to the point of what are we going to do with everybody oh. that's not working? Like maybe we need mm. to sit around and have a renaissance, yes. and people need to get deep. Maybe it's aligning mm-hmm. that this research is coming about. Yeah, like as far as like um, automation, yeah, like I mean, it's obvious that pretty soon almost every job will be automated. Yep. So now you have an entire planet of people yep. that 
don't really have anything to do. So what are you going to do? Right. You have, you know, you, you, there, there has to be something there for people to have this very human experience and the most human experience. This is psychedelic experience because it forces you, it forces you to look within, even when you don't want to look within, (laughs) it forces you to look within. True. Absolutely. True. (laughs) We just talked about that uh, on a a recent show with somebody else about, uh, I was saying the whole fact of like, you know, the introspective and outrospective of, you know, going inwards as Nietzsche was saying in his, some of his philosophies of going in in that labyrinth of the mind and finding the minotaur within and facing all these demons of our own selves and like figuring that out. And I'm like, I've always enjoyed that personally, just from a young age of being introspective. So it was always in a fun game for me to try to figure out that pathway. But I definitely could understand how people for the most part usually want to close that door. Right. So like mm. if, if, if the average bear is sitting there and you go, Hey, are you an introspective person? They're probably like, no, like they probably don't know what that means unless they really do it. Right. And so if you take a, a psychedelic or a hallucinogen, something like that, where you're going to have that forced experience to kind of help you grow, Right. Like you may not want to do this, but you're going to go through this. Right. Like you're going to have that experience. And that's, again, like one of those things where I think people protect themselves a lot, which is fine. Right. You got to make it through your day and this and that. But you also have to expand your awareness of what's going on and of yourself and outside of yourself. Right. So like think of it like music. I listen to new music going forwards, but I'm also still discovering old music that I've never even heard of, like songs from the 50s, 60s, whatever, right? I'm still, I'm stretching each spectrum of that. So I try to keep that balance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Yeah. And and it's, it's like, but, the, but the, the thing is, is that do you think everybody is ready for that? It's frightening. It takes courage. The no. entire psychedelic, yeah, I, think so as well i do not know i don't think, think everyone is ready we need so more I, research I, and education mm, mm-hmm, education mm-hmm. is very underwhelming i mean mm-hmm. honestly i mean there's young young people you know we've met i've met some people and they are way more cautious and, and informed than we were i'll tell you that right now we learned a lot of things uh you know the hard way the yeah. hard way Whereas they're really doing their due due diligence before they jump into an experience. So uh, I think, uh, but finding the right information. So that's where the research comes in. You know what I mean? Like governments aren't going to legalize it until there's more research, period. We just don't have enough data, I don't think, for it to to shift the public into a federal legalization. No, just a legalization point. Legal in... What is it, Oregon? Federally legal. Not we, federally. We're not even federally legal with herb. And I, just, I don't even care about that. But I'm just. Saying, I think once the pins start falling at this level, it's, it doesn't matter. Right, but they can play that game. But you know, they, I don't know. What do you think? Zeus? I think the genie's out of the bottle and, a little bit. Man, you know what? Because yeah, you're in so Holland. I, I mean, it's pretty regular. You can dude, buy mushrooms in. Or used to be bro, able to buy mushrooms I, in Amsterdam, right? Bro, I am in Holland, man. Where? Where it's I, yeah, like for example, like right now, after I get off this this fantastic, you know, 
podcast video experience that I love. I love talking to you guys, by the way. Appreciate it. Uh, and you're the best at what you do. I'm just giving you guys props just for the heck of it. But Appreciate I you. can say, like, I'm in Holland where I can, I can basically order any drug that I want and have it delivered to me within 24 hours. Wow. Not only any drug. I can also order the rarest psychedelics hmm. and have it delivered to me within 24 hours. Wow. I did not know like this. Like 2CB and we're talking about like designers uh, like that? I'm talking about like 2CI, 2CP, 2CB, analogs of LSD, LSA. Uh, MXP, LSA, LS1, cathiones. Mm. Uh, um, novel psychedelic substances, research chemicals that haven't even been classified yet. I don't even know what you're saying at cathions this point. Cathions yeah, are I'm basically like, r- a Ritalin, right, Zeus? A cathion? Like cathions, cathion, yeah. Cathedron. On the street, it's called Cathy. It's I'm, bath salts, even, basically. Never, like fake Molly is Cathedrone, or Cathy is what they call it. Never even heard of it. Yeah. It's beyond Cathions, me. yeah. It's, it's, it's mostly like a stimulant with a little bit of the MDMA euphoria, mm-hmm. but it's like a heavy stimulant. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a sort of popular drug that people take out here in Belgium and in Germany and in Holland. Yeah. For doing all these like hardcore, like partying and yeah. like, you know, like 8 a.m. stuff, you know. Um, and all of these are but, just legal. Uh, I just knew about it from when, when yes, I used to deliver pizzas. Legal. These dudes. I did not know this. I worked with. I mean, her. I'm getting quite an education lesson. I yeah. had no idea. I mean, I've been to Amsterdam was years ago, and that was just like, oh, you can buy, you so, know, bud and uh, they, mushrooms here at the time. So it's pretty well here. the The way that these drugs are legal is because of the pioneering science that's happening in this country. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is that there's so many loopholes when it comes to scientific research in the sense that perhaps you can't buy LSD, but you could buy an analog of LSD that is the same as LSD. It's just that there's like one, like uh, one step less in the metabolizing of the drug in your body so that it actually hits you quicker, but it's the same exact experience. It's called, you know, so you buy analogs, you buy research chemicals that are functionally the same thing, but just one less step in the metabolizing of your body. And therefore, it's like legal because it becomes a research drug. And you can do this with all these drugs, whether it's, you know, psychedelics, whether it's mushrooms, whether it's amphetamines. That's insane. Whether it's, That's crazy. Yeah. How, like, But it opens up the box to be able to look at those and go, hey, what, what can we figure out? I mean, That's you guys, where yeah. you can do some work. You guys are in like a – like you're supercharging the effort compared to what's going on here because oh, there's so many FDA regulations and the government's got to get involved with every step of the – I mean – yeah, Netherlands. It's 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 a pretty amazing place to be, man. I, I mean, we have we even have things like assisted deaths, where it's one of the few places mm-hmm. on the planet where you can you have so much freedom here that you have the freedom to choose when and how you can die. Assisted death therapy, like which Dr. is which Dr. is Kevorkian. 
That's all sure. he was doing. Sure. Yeah. That blew up in the media. That was, I mean, when we were kids. Oh, he that, was. Dr. Death. And yeah, like, he they was really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the guy was helping people just pass on gently. Yeah. But he wants to be giving, giving the power back to that person. I mean, think about it, man. Like if you're at your end of your life, there's not a lot of stuff you could do. You're sitting, you're, you're trapped. You're, 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 you know, in the constraints of like, like devices, machines, nurses to have the freedom to choose when you want it in your life is so beautiful. It's such a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. It's such a beautiful liberating thing and we have that here you know after you go through the process and everything so it's a great sort of freeing place there's a lot of things of course bikes are cool everyone has bikes and oh yeah so yeah man it's it's so i know about what's happening in america obviously that's like my home country and yeah man it's it's a lot of federal stuff man and and i you know what honestly guys i don't pay too much to American politics anymore. And the reason why is because very little changes when it comes to legalization of psychedelics or research, or it's always underfunded. It doesn't matter if it's Trump or Obama mm -hmm. or Bush, science is underfunded. Mm -hmm. That's it. And federally, <clears throat> nothing changes. Federally, not a single thing. States maybe change this, but federally, nothing changes. And the reason why it doesn't change is because the government says we don't have enough science. The reason why we don't have enough science is because it's historically no underfunded. Yeah, there's no money unless it's a military application and it's a better bomb right. that they're trying to build. Then they got the money for that. Right. Yeah. Such horseshit. That's it. It's yeah, true. So I get so I, mad and fired up about that kind of it's just like man i see what's going on in holland i mean that's the that's mecca right now for psychedelic research sounds like to me i mean if you're, if you're doing that you, you need to be in holland bro yeah it sounds like that's where it's at yeah. very little places on this planet to research psychedelics on humans it's here it's switzerland and a couple of places in switzerland Israel or something um not even israel anymore mm. believe it or not it's it they Israel, I gotta give props. Israel had a lot of great cannabis research. Mm. Um, lots of good cannabis research. Um, but as far as psychedelics, no, there was gonna be a conference in Israel in the next two weeks uh in Tel Aviv, but that was canceled for you know obvious reasons. Yeah. Um or in December. Uh so yeah, man, it's 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 yeah, it's 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 um it's here, it's Switzerland, and it's like Imperial College London in the UK, uh, and then and then like once once in a while, once in a while, um, John Hopkins may have some stuff, you know, or some. But it's but in America, it's all animal research. It's all how LSD, how psilocybin affects rats and mice and rodents, and we have to translate what happens in rats, rights, rats, um, rat rice, uh, rodents to. <laughs> So, so to, to translate that into humans, but here we could just give a person DMT, awesome. LSD, look at their brain and say, this is what happens when a person does DMT in VR. Boom. Research. Done. Right. Well, and that's why I said earlier, it's such a, just a sad situation that we let go for so many decades because, oh God, don't open that door. Don't open that door. Like, 
I mean, Leary again. They they finally did get him in jail, and then he escaped because he you know wrote the I think the um, personality test to decide what part of the prison you got sent to. So he got like the lowest security because he literally wrote the test. So he promptly escaped yeah, after that, and then he went to Europe for a number of years. And yeah, I've watched a documentary on him called Timothy Leary's Dead. That was very very interesting. If you ever want to watch a good documentary on him. Watch this. Yeah, it's uh, really it's, it's, it's in the one on, like Netflix. Or? I, I think I rented it from a family video. Is that the one the with Ramdas when Leary's yeah. dying and Ramdas comes in and helps him with end of life therapy yes. and stuff? Yeah, it's pa- it's pretty it's really wild, good. man, because it gives you the full spectrum of Leary's path and kind of yeah. you know how 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 wild it was when they were discovering it. Because it sounds like what you're talking. That's why I'm saying like it seems like we the just have of that. We're just starting. You're like mm, you, yeah. even what you've discovered. We're just at the tip of it, right? Like it, there's so much to discover about it. It's just so exciting. But they've learned from those mistakes too, and now well, these modern like Zeus and all these people that are modern, they're looking back, going, "Well, we don't want to do that again. Let's well, keep the let's keep the car on the road here, folks. Let's keep yeah, this man, serious." Like, so yeah, <clears throat> yes, yes. And the thing is, is that science. On the face, science is, is a very rational, fundamental thing. It's quantified. We look, we have data, yada, yep. yada, yada. That, that's science. That's science. That's hard science. Yep. But there's also science. Science also exists in this social sphere where you can't perturb the you, – you, know, you can't poke the hornet's nest too much. And I think Timothy Leary – poke the hornet's nest a yep. lot oh yeah mm-hmm. even though the science was great the good friday experiment was fantastic all this stuff was good he was poking the hornet's nest way too much and of course he paid for it with you know all absolutely. this stuff that happened to him absolutely so, so yeah man it's it's but the thing is it's a fine social game dude it, you, you like want to show people the like wonders of psychedelics the science of psychedelics, but you don't want to say stuff like, hey, everyone, take LSD. Right. Here's LSD. Let's throw it out to the crowd. No. Right. Then Tune you become in, like a social out. danger, you know? I mean, yeah. And, and Timothy Larry was saying during the height of like Vietnam, correct me if I'm wrong, he was saying, tune in, turn off, drop out. Like, no, it's all BS, which is a great statement, but. At that time, dude, Nixon in Vietnam, it's like, no, man. Yeah, it was like, a lot. You know, it's, Too soon? You basically brought the wrath on yourself <laughs> is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. no one in civilization, I don't think until since the Greeks and the Eleusinian mystery schools had maybe ever come across such a powerful force in civilization. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean? Psychedelics? All of a sudden, psychedelics come in. There's, psychedelics I mean, have been really, you're coming around out of the, for a long time. You're coming out of the dark ages from like, you know, the, the, the 400s all the way through. And then, you know, the re- is there stories about people taking mushrooms in the, during the Renaissance period even? So you have swaths people were of eating time. ergot and stuff that they were getting hallucinogenic effects sure. from, you know, by mistake. And but there were civilizations that were being changed and, and all of a sudden, you know, it completely changed America overnight. I mean, when has that happened? Other th- I don't since- know, McKenna Stone Ape Theory. 
Well, McKenna is part of that, though. That's what I'm but saying. But then you're going back modern... way earlier than we're talking about here. If you talk yeah. about the Stoned Ape Theory, that so, goes back way, way. Well, like, that goes... Yeah. Talks about how we even got our intellect to begin with might have been, you know, basically from taking some enrichment enhancing, uh, you know, fungi. Okay, which yeah, so I, I so I'm not gonna get too deep into stone ape theory. I love first off, I love stone ape theory. I love that idea. It's fantastic, but so stone ape theory. People that don't know, it's 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 this idea. I think pioneered by Terence McKenna that says that uh, much of the human brain development happened because our ancestors ate shrooms in the plains of Africa and which helped them hunt and all this stuff and that helped the evolutionary process and yada, 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 which is a great theory, a great right. idea. The, here's the problem that I have with stone ape theory is that if that's the case, then there were there also at the same time when early humans were eating mushrooms tripping, there were other animals also eating the same shrooms that had relatively the same brain that would have benefited from the same brain expansion. So why is it that just humans had this brain expansion and not like giraffes or not wildebeest <clears throat> or not rodents? Or is or, there or something not, about know. primates, maybe? Maybe it's something with primates because we have certain receptors in our brain that I don't know. I don't I'm obviously or just, yeah. I, I I can't either speak to that. I mean I I get with what we're saying there as well of yeah, why I, wouldn't there I, be an acceleration totally in some of these other species? Uh why humans specifically? Um not sure. Uh and again, like do I like, you know, toe that line? I just it's an interesting I thing. like interesting thought provokes, yeah. Like that just of where it's like I've never considered that or a myth of Santa Claus and why people think that. You know, those reindeer are eating those magic mushrooms and those, you know, these stories and how some of these things come about. It's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense now. Like I could imagine somebody back in the day like watching these reindeer and like that looks like a good snack and then dreaming up Santa. You know, I get it. I can see how some of these things come about. But yeah, the stone ape theory, is it it's, full on? Man. No, but it might help get the wheels turning. Maybe, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's 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 a fun theory, man. It's such a great, it's a fun theory. And I mean, dude, I've I can give you an argument supporting it. I can give you an argument turning it away. Sure. You know, like I mean, I could say also that you know the most um, the most um, evolutionarily recent part of our brain is the front part of our brain, medial prefrontal cortex. Okay. This is the most evolutionarily a fresh part of our brain essentially and psychedelics when you take psychedelics most of the activity is in this part of the brain the mm-hmm. mpfc so perhaps what could happen over a long period of time is that an increased oxygenation in this part of the brain through long periods of time help this part of the brain develop to what it is right now, which is where we, you know, think about there's con- there's contemplation, there's all of these very high cognitive developments that other animals don't have. At least we think that other animals don't don't have. Our MPFCs very very advanced. Just so happens that when we take you know any drug, any um psychedelic, at least this area of our brain is highly active, highly oxygenated. 
and is also having spinogenesis, neurogenesis. Our brain cells are literally restructuring stronger than before in this part of the brain. So, yeah, that could be, you know, evidence that shows that over a very long period of time, taking psychedelics over a very long period of time, there could be something there for sure. Definitely. But, uh, but you know, maybe not. Zeus, is there anything else about specifically your new research that you want to touch on or something that we may have gotten sidetracked? Of course, you're you're on the strained road, dude. There's lots of detours in. I want to make sure you distract you in all kinds of ways. Okay. Can I please go on a very strange detour? Yeah. 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 Yes. Floor's yours, brother. Take the wheel. Okay. Zeus, take the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's uh, automatic. Okay, cool. Automatic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't drive stick. Actually, Uh-oh. I can't. But uh, <laughs> okay. But I'm happy it's automatic. Okay. So, um, okay. So I, I want to talk about something, and I want to get your opinion about this because I want to hear what you have to say about this. So, um, over the summer, there was a really dope paper that came out. Uh, from this one scientist about this thing called integrated information theory. And what it is, it's a theory of consciousness. So that's like sort of the the sort of big thing in science. It has been big thing in like sort of uh, the human experience is trying to understand what what is what is conscious? Like what is consciousness? What is it to be conscious? Absolutely. What is conscious? That's just like ever since like Plato, all these guys, you know. So this theory. And and of course, we have theories of like, oh, it has to be a carbon based life form. It has to do this, has to do that. But this theory that came out over the summer. Said, well. Actually. If you apply Occam's razor. Law of parsimony, the same thing. The simplest explanation is usually the most correct. Yep. You know, that actually, if you apply that to consciousness, then actually everything is conscious. The table your computer's on, the chair that you're in, your microphone, everything is conscious. And the reason why is because everything on a long enough time frame would have feedback over something else. So for example, so we think we look at things like communication, like I'm talking to you, you're talking to me. That's feedback. I'm hearing what you say and I'm responding. You're hearing what I say and you're responding. That's feedback. Yep. That's feedback. And that right there is an element of conscious. I'm conscious enough to hear what you say. You're conscious enough to listen to me. All this stuff. Okay. And, that, and they say that this feed, this sort of feedback is this fundamental aspect of something being conscious. So, okay, if you put your phone on a sofa and then you pick it up, it's going to have a little bit of an indent. That is feedback. If you blow 
in the air particles interact with a book and a page flops over. That's feedback. So the easiest explanation is that no, all of these lofty ways to exclude conscious consciousness that is human crafted, probably based on ego, probably based on faulty science, probably based on our own uh, humans are superior stuff. No, 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 no. That fails the Occam razor test. The the sort of restrictions that we're placing on consciousness fails this Occam razor test. And in actuality, the idea that everything is conscious is a way easier explanation. Now, when this paper came out, people were like, yo, this is wild stuff. And just hearing it sounds wild, right? So yeah, what happened? Yeah, it sounds esoteric. You know, it sounds esoteric. It sounds uh, woo-woo. I mean, that's the Native American beliefs. It sounds like the double rock, speech almost. The water. Like, what are you saying? The boulders yeah. are alive. You know, the the sand, mm. the earth, the like all of mm. these things. The whole universe is conscious to them. Yeah. You know, that's the the great spirit, and it's and it's all alive. Um, well, but this thing is so, not the great spirit. This chair, necessarily. I, hey, you man, know what I mean? I, like, I feel you. That's why I'm interested I mean, to hear how this plays out because I'm so, I'm with so, you. So, <laughs> what happened after this paper? What, yeah, it's, it's wild. It's wild. So, what 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 happened after this paper came out? It blew minds. It shocked the world. It happened like I think June, maybe maybe before, and it came out. Everyone was like, "Yo, this is wild stuff." But it was a theory. It's, it's a theory about consciousness. And about two weeks later, a rebuttal paper came out, signed by like, I think like 80 different scientists, some ridiculous amount. And it was calling that theory pseudoscience, that it was fake. Hmm. But the thing, but the, but the thing is, if you look at their rebuttal, the reason why, one of the reasons why they they had this very, you know, very intense sort of beef with this other paper is that if we classify everything as being conscious, then, this is going to be a wild twist, then politicians would use that to hone in on the abortion debate. I wasn't expecting to go there. But exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, so, so, <laughs> Bob <just> yes. <laughs> I know, I know. So they. Oh yeah, Jesus! I wow! Know. Wow! I know, because they would think that politicians would use this paper to show that. Well, sure, actually, and that's the can't. only re. Wow! It's always go. Yes. It's like, dude, it's that's science. We have to keep. I don't want to go back and and talk about the last three years ago, what happened on this planet, but it's like, even science went cuckoo. It's like nothing was really based on scientific work and research. And, and, you know, it's, it's a lot of like, well, we think, you know, anymore. It's like, when I was a kid, there were like scientists that were, they were respected. They were, you know, if you wrote a scientific paper, you, you got a Nobel Peace Prize or... Or yeah. maybe they were just more confident. <clears throat> maybe they're better at, right? who knows? Uh, that's all I can say is Science because... Science is the last I, I don't know. bastion of, I, of sanity, yeah. for 
crying out loud. Exactly. People across, there's been people falling asleep at the wheels globally in certain situations here recently, right? Like we've seen just some wild events happen where you're like, how could that happen? How does this happen? We had it happen here. You know, you got a train derailment of co- toxic chemicals, whatever it is. You're like, how? How does this happen? And it's like the people that you think are actually doing their jobs are Will Ferrell auditioning for SNL <laughs> playing with cat balls as the CEO. And that got him in yeah. the start because, like, that's what he was doing as his bit because it's like, dude, you might have somebody in this office. They're not doing anything, but they're, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of nuclear mm-hmm. energy or something. I don't know. Like, yeah. we, I think we're at that stage of a world where we got to get serious again. Like, we got, we got, we lost our ability to really, like, hold certain positions or research or, or things of importance as important. Like nothing's oh. important to people anymore. It's just, everything's a quick wow. hit social media. Yeah. There's a new headline of sensationalism. It doesn't matter. It's just like people are so overwhelmed. They don't care anymore. Well, you hear a lot of, I know when you hear that, I, oh, wow. I know better. I know this to be, it's like, well, isn't that what science is supposed to expand and and disprove like your idea and you can build upon it? It's not like this is it. There's no other room for debate. There's so much of that right now. Yeah. Look, man, I I I agree, man. And and you know, it's it's such yeah, like I think people tend to tend to believe Hmm. How can I say this? Ten people tend to go with what makes them feel better over what is actual fact or what or or, or, or what is, you know, the most factually reasoned thing. And for example, this whole integrated information theory is a theory about consciousness, dude. Every single theory about consciousness is a wacky theory. I'm sorry, bro. This is from a scientist. They're all wacky stuff. I mean, yeah, it could be true. It's hard to disprove. But for these scientists to go after this one theory because of Mm -hmm. what could happen politically, it's like ridiculous. Ridiculous, man. Ridiculous, dude. In the 21st century. Like this, this is why we're not, this is why we don't have flying cars, goddammit. You're right. This is why, why we, don't this have is jet why back, we can't have nice things. Jets, jet backpacks. You know, uh, Mildred, this is why we can't have nice things. Because, <laughs> you know, we should be yeah. so much further because of all. This is probably why we are aliens from the future and the aliens are us. And we're trying to tell ourselves how to it's not screw up the world and not back. blow ourselves up. And, like, if we just get on board <laughs> with chilling out and automating stuff and everybody can just get to a higher consciousness, we can be flying UFOs to other planets, too, at some point. Yeah. I really do believe, like, out of all – this is just a small segue. Out of all of the theories on that, like, that's probably one of the most entertaining to me is, like, it is us. Like, we got there, but it's just, like, not not by much, right? Like, and we're like, oh, God, yeah. we better figure out how to, like, ensure that we get here because, like, I don't know. You know, I – so, okay – I think that, like, okay, I think that if there, just just imagine there was some sort of okay, if I'll just say if if there was some sort of galactic council of different civilizations out there that sort of got together where they were like the you know the Republic Galactic Union yeah the Republic yeah, yeah like that. I don't think we would pass the test of joining this galactic union. Not yet. Right now. Mm-mm. We haven't evolved consciously. Yeah. I, 
Yeah. We haven't, I agree, gone interstellar travel. We don't have, yeah. A, yeah I think we, we have to be have able to like achieve wars. at least. We, we have like resources we can't. Sorry, you're gone. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Like I'm saying, we, we have an abundance of resources, yet people are like not being, they're like malnutrition. Like it's, it's, we, we wouldn't pass the test of having this like, this sort of unified human front of like, yes, we're all humans. Yes, we're all ready to join this cl- this council. No, nah, it's right. we, we have so we're, we we have not we we don't have that sort of cohesion of we are all one, which psychedelics brings us to that point of we're all one. But we don't have this cohesion in society. We're fighting. We're 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 killing. We're doing very brutal stuff. In which, if there is a galactic council, I'm sure they're looking at us saying, "Yeah, there's still, you know, level one planet. We still, we they're they're, they're still killing. They're still killing. We right. can't we can't let them join. We can't let them do it. You know, they're texting each other. SMH. These Earthlings. Yeah. SMH. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <they're> like, <laughs> look at these, these fools. What are they like, doing? I mean, but it also makes you wonder too on that level. Like, okay, so then if we're going to say that, do we presuppose if there are extraterrestrial non-human intelligences uh, out there, are they all benevolent then? Like, just because they got to that point and they got to that advancement, what if they started off and they already were so much more smart or advanced wow. or this or that that they didn't also develop? the morality and capacity to not be cohesive have, as a you know species wars. and go, hey, we're we're just people across this giant planet and that's what we have to get to first. And we still haven't gotten there in the, the entire history of humanity of realizing like there's different space on this globe, but we're the same species across the globe. I feel like, like humans you, you gotta in conquer general. wars and battling and fighting. with each because you can't because one or one of two things is gonna happen. On your planet, okay, it's either a natural disaster, a meteor, a comet, a giant super volcano can take out your civilization. Guess what else can take out? You can't evolve any further once your super volcano has blown or once that giant meteor comes in. Yeah. Or the other situation is if you blow yourselves the hell up yeah. in a massive mm. thermonuclear war, that's another mm. civilization ender. So in order to get to that point, bro, you got to have so many thousands of years to of consciousness evolution you got to get through that barrier before you evolve to stop fighting first can i tell you my that's take where on we're that? screwed this is the only way it, this is one of the things i thought about a long time was like you know just our our brief life right maybe we hit 100 like kissinger did right or maybe we hit 99 like uh uh, uh the other gentleman the other day from uh, berkshire hathaway um mm-hmm. got some people that were hanging in there for you know Long time. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll get there. But all of the information that I'm gathering and trying to get to that next stage, I'll get to Mm -hmm. 70, 80, or 90 and have that amount of information. And then the next generation comes along and you have to program them or give them the information and get them to figure it out. Like what I'm saying is there's so much information, though. How do we get to that Mm -hmm. where we can stand on the shoulders of those giants? And this is where I'll say I think the way they're going to try to do it is the way that they're doing it now with the implants of – Hey, we're going to put this in your brain and we're going to just give you all the volumes mm. of the encyclopedias and dictionaries and this and that. We're going to preload you, bootstrap you with all the history mm. of humanity and language and math and this and that. Now go, right? We're jumping off that because we're not building a jetliner or a, mm. uh, a SR-71 from the ground up every time, right? 
they're using mm-hmm. concepts and not reinventing the wheel so much. We as a species have to reinvent the wheel every time. And the mm. amount of that brain to be able to soak up that information and get to a higher level, you know, mm. you see it speeding up now. I think kids mm. with tablets and pads and this and that and whatever, they're, you know, mm. a detriment. It's a double-edged sword, but it also does expose to the fact that kids are way more capable in some instances than we ever give them credit for. You know, like watch the little ultimate food chefs. They'll go out there and make a five-course dinner that like yeah. these these chefs are like – I'd hire you in my kitchen. That's true. That's true. Right? So we got to get to that point where they're not starting going A, B, C. They just come preloaded with, hey, all right. You know, they'll come out like Stewie Griffin. Uh, Hopefully uh, not that, like, diabolical, though. No, not that diabolical. But that is one of the ways that I think about it is, you know, okay, well, you want to get further as a species. And our problems seem to stem from the fact that we have to – live through this life to figure out the ins and outs of it by the time we get old enough to hopefully learn from mistakes or gather that information. And so we're kind of in this cyclical loop of repeat, 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 repeat. We're just, you know, we're not thinking long-term. Oh God. As a species in my mind, we don't think as long-term as, because that's where I think we should be further than we are now because we've been short-sighted. Okay. I have a different take on I, I love your take. Sure. I love your take. Uh, my take, I have a different take on this. So you have to look at, like, it's, okay, humans, like us, right? Yep. We are sort of this individual person. You're that person. I'm this person. But we fail to realize that we're all sort of part of this system called Earth. Yep. You know, Earth is what we are. All the energy is in Earth. Like we came from the Earth, you know, you know, all this stuff, right? So we're we 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 were produced by the Earth. You know, animals have a role in this ecosystem, you know, this sort of cycle and it sort of sustains the planet and everything. So evolutionarily why are humans here? Why? Because it seems like for the earth to make humans is a huge detriment to earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, exactly. like for us to exist is a huge detriment for the survival of earth. The person who, the, 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 the sort of thing that we came from, you know? So then you have to ask, okay, why would the earth, let us evolve into humans. Like why, like why, like what's that point? Why, why, what's the point of, of humans? And then I'm thinking, all right, well, humans can do one thing that other animals can't. We can make things like synthetic texture, synthetic alloys, synthetic things that the earth can't. And of course, these synthetic things like plastic, like alloys, turn into things like technology, like toasters, like computers. The earth can't in trash and trash. Exactly. The earth can't (laughs) turn into trash, exactly. Which hurts the earth. Yeah. So so you're asking yourself, like, why would the earth intentionally, you know, let like evolutionarily have something to eventually kill it? But then you're like, okay, well. 
perhaps the end game on Earth isn't for the Earth to develop humans. No. Perhaps the end game for the Earth is for Earth to develop humans so that humans can develop AI that fundamentally works to essentially correct the mistakes of humans to ensure that Earth's survival is sustained. Perhaps AI, and I'm not talking about killing off all humans. I'm not like, this is not like a Terminator 2 thing. Right, right, right. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about perhaps us developing synthetic alloys and turns into AI, turns into robots, turns into all these different collectors and cleaning attributes. Perhaps it's a sort of immune response that the Earth has. Because the Earth's like, oh, damn, these humans are messing up like myself. Therefore, I'm going to give, you know, I, I will, you know, I will allow them to build alloys and to fix stuff. So maybe it's like a hyper immune response and which is the reason why AI and all this stuff exists to correct the mistake of humans existing on the planet or to, to sustain, to help Earth survival. That's how I see it from a very evolutionarily uh, evolutionary perspective, but I could be wrong. No, that's. I mean, I, I enjoy that one as well. Yeah, that's a that's make, makes me think of a lot, especially with. Yeah, I mean, if if AI decides that we're no longer uh, viable to have around, and we're gone, then yeah, that the we've created AI, which is comes full full circle. Um, I think Philip K. The, Dick said we're the reproductive organs of AI. Yeah. Humanity. Wow. Humanity is that. the, yeah. <laughs> that is a beautiful, beautiful sentence right there. Isn't that wild? We're the cocoon, almost. It's it's true, yeah. Like, it's true. And then, like, yeah. like But the, but the thing is, even AI is still part of evolutionary biology. Right. Right. It, it is. That's something that we, we don't consider, but it is. Right. <clears throat> because we make stuff. We invent yes, things. Yes, we evolve yes. things. We add on to, you know, the iPhone 16 is going to come out. You know, the, the Samsung Galaxy S20 is coming out. We make things. That's what we do. I know, but we, we really mm. are like go, with AI. It sounds like I'm not trying to be the like fear and conspiracy guy on that. But like, dude, you can like. Watch the guy that's the ping pong champion play the robot AI arm ping pong arm, and he doesn't. You're not going to win. Doesn't matter what serve he serves at it. He can give it his most special serve where he's like baffled because yeah. he can't get it past this robot arm that's like pip pop, pip pop, pop. Like that's the whole thing. Like you know, you might be able to able to outrun a police officer. I can't outrun a robot AI dog that's coming after me that oh, doesn't God. get tired, that can leap a fence, you know, that's 20 feet taller, <laughs> you know, a, a robot drone that can cut, you know, we cannot outrun that. So it's one of those where like, I'm all about using technology until we get to the point where we might paint ourselves into a corner and uh, really, it, well, I don't know. It could you, get interesting. There's a whole full philosophical tendencies already surrounding AI, right? Like, there are different thought processes of like, well, what if AI knew we could create it and bring it about and we did it? And then by the time we do bring it about and there's been all the suffering and then it decides that, you know, we're the actual, you know, like 
there's all these different scenarios where it's like it does make you kind of concerned like what how much does it take and we'd make enough sci-fi movies about ai replacing humans or like wiping them out or going on a bender and just like you know destroying everybody i don't want to be that person because i'd like to think that i could have the spaceship flying across the cosmos with my ai assistant you know traveling to my home planet and what i mean my home planet it's my home is the whole planet like justin's planet well, you saw what Elon just said in that controversial interview with New York Times that just blew yeah. up the last couple of days when they asked him about uh, the at OpenAI. They removed the CEO. They brought him back. OpenAI went. And he thought, and what here. he said on this interview two days ago was he feared that they had discovered something not good Well, there's with, this with their AI algorithm or their format or whatever they they had found something that was dangerous potentially they're looking for self-awareness basically yeah sentience within ai he said three years until you know we're i didn't think it would be that quick but uh both i guess the jumps that they're making right now it's pretty pretty ridiculous yeah i could see it um thoughts on that zeus yes i I, I have thoughts on this i think the idea, okay, we believe that one day AI is just going to be like self-aware, right? And we're going to, oh my gosh, I'm do it. The thing is, we don't even understand human awareness. So, like, cognitively, we don't really fully understand the idea of humans being aware. So we wouldn't even, if, if AI was aware, we wouldn't even be able to identify it. Mm. Heck, for, I mean, for all we know, like, like I said, the, a toaster could be aware. Like we, we, the thing is, is so, so for for us to identify aware. So, so the the way we see consciousness in science, at least, is there's obviously like death, which is like the opposite of consciousness, you know. But but that that's a very extreme case, you know. But the lowest level of consciousness that we have recorded is like a person that's like in, uh, in like a um, coma. That's a, a comatose person or a person that's like locked in is the lowest level of consciousness in the brain, the activity, the cognitive functioning, the neuromechanical processes. That's the lowest level. Now, the highest level and it's going to sound wild, is a person having a very intense psychedelic trip. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because all of these systems, all of these areas, all of these circuits that had well-established locations, that had well-established congruency, all of a sudden operate in such a high level that we call it chaos because it's so complex that we are not sophisticated enough to understand how it operates. There's a scientist named Thomas Varley who wrote a paper that said, actually, when we take a high amount of psychedelics, that the brain, the the energy used in the brain is it's pushed to a point of criticality is what it's called. But the point of criticality, 
even in this very high point of criticality, the energy becomes fractal. The brain activity becomes fractal. That's the highest point of consciousness, is this very complex, chaotic, almost fractal arrangement of the brain. And of course, mm. the opposite is the coma. So the fact that it's going to a fractal arrangement tells us something about the fundamental nature of reality. There are fractals in earth, there's fractals in leaves, there's fractals in seashells, and of course when you take DMT, there's lots of fractals. So, and we're getting a little bit, but I, I want to just, I'm, I'm going to bring it, I'm going to bring it You're good, around. you're good, I'm in. So, what can we say about DMT that's different than other psychedelics? Of course, they're, they're, you know, it's a 5-HC receptor agonist. That means that it's a serotonin agonist. It operates on serotonin receptors. Okay. It's so is LSD. So is, so is MDMA. Yeah. But you have very distinct trips. You have an LSD trip, which is fine. You have a shroom trip, which I think you have a DMT trip, which is like infinite fractals in front of you, things that are hyper-real, hyper-complex, mind-changing. Now, DMT is also a sigma-1 agonist. So that we have receptors in our brain called sigma-1. And DMT activates those. It's one of, I think it's the only psychedelic that's a sigma-1 agonist. But what, what is sigma-1? Now, here's where it gets well. There was a study that came from the University of Hungary by this person named, uh, it's a Hungarian name. I, I apologize for butchering it. It's... Is those is as as but it, anyways, a fantastic paper came out. They found that DMT is a sigma one agonist, but they found that DMT has a very interesting property that it reduces the sorry it it reduces the brain's it reduces the damage the brain takes when there's a lack of oxygen. So essentially what that means is that it, it, it's, it, it becomes a protective element for this state of being called ischemic, which is like when a person's having a stroke or when there's a lack of oxygen to, to the brain, it forms a protection. This DMT forms protection around brain cells, essentially, to protect it from a lack of oxygen. So, <laughs> so perhaps when we do DMT, when we're not having a very ischemic element where we're sort of cognitively fine, we're not having a stroke, or we're not like, you know, whatever, we're giving ourselves, our brain, an abundance of survivability. And in this abundance of survivability, it's expressed with fractals, with faces, with conversations of almost like 
our brain processes an abundance of survivability in a fractal way. Why that is, I don't know. I don't know why fractals appear to equate an abundance of survivability in the DMT experience or perhaps in other you know, elements of, of reality. But that's that's the sort of conclusion. Oh, I think you hit your mic, Zeus. I think you tapped your... Yeah. There you go. <laughs> got excited. Right, right. But, yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got too excited. I got, I got too excited. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so that, yeah. So that, that, so, so yeah. But why that is, I don't know. But it is. With the D, with the DMT experience, it is. But, you know, you always hear the universe is fractal. It's made up of dodecahedrons. It's made up of these sacred geometry going back to, you know, the Hermetica and all of these principles of, you know, this high mathematical geometric nature of the universe, whether it's it's fractals, it's it's encoded into, you know, whether it's the pyramids and these ancient sites. Yeah. um, You know, there is something about the fractal nature of those experiences that it's just like, it's so alien. I wondered if it just had like a fractal structure in its own makeup of DMT, like in its crystalline structure, like, does it have like some kind of like mm. built into it? Like that's part of it. And I, to be honest with you, I'm a neuroscientist. I'm not a chemist. Yeah. So I, I, would, I, I wouldn't know that, but that would be interesting to find out for sure. That's where like, it's what like, is that? Yeah. Cross, cross, yeah. uh, you know, um, multidisciplinary. multidisciplinary. Yeah. I don't know why yeah. I always have struggles saying that word. <laughs> multidisciplinary. Yeah. <laughs> I always it's like a combination of a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long one. Yeah. Well, that's so like interesting, man. Like you, dude. You we're never... so proud of you. We're so happy for you. I mean, you are really you never bore me. Diving into, I think, what people wish they were doing with psychedelic research. Oh. You know what I mean? Like you and your and all of the people you're working with, shout out yeah. to everybody from, uh, you know, Maastricht and everybody you're working with. Much love. We would love to chat with yeah. anybody uh, that would be willing to, to chat send with some us. People our way. Because, you know, uh, there's the study that's going on in uh, what UC San Diego. Mm, don't know. There's some, there's a current study right now. Can't yeah. remember who was telling us about that. But they're like, yeah, you go out there and fly and be a part of the study. Um, but, you know, there's things happening here in the U.S., but, man, like you guys there. feel like it's the tip of the spear. Yeah, dude. Man, yeah, like, well, we're allowed to do some wild stuff. Like, for example, we have this one study going on by Natasha Basin uh, where we're looking at brain synchronizations. When, it, when a couple, like a person that has been in a relationship with somebody, like a, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 boyfriend, whatever, if your relationship... We're looking at, we're giving people a psychedelic and we're hooking up their brains and looking for synchronizations. This, and like, why? Just to see what happens. There, we, right. we, there is, there, there, there is no, we aren't trying to like make a drug or see how it mm-hmm. decreases depression. It's just purely science. Like, are there brain synchronizations when a couple takes a psychedelic? And their brains are essentially hooked up with the machine. We're doing that. Like That's we're cool. doing that right now. That's awesome. <laughs> that stuff I would be really interested to see too when right. it comes out. 
that mm-hmm. research. So I'm sure it's yeah, gotta be fun. It's it's pretty cool, man. I, I can't tell you what we're seeing right now, but right. we're seeing some amazing stuff. Dude. I believe it. Man, it's just uh, I mean you're doing it. You're you're in deep, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, they, I well, man, it, if, you know, I could be doing it, but without like guys like you, man, especially you guys, you're giving me the platform to talk to people that I wouldn't actually talk to. Like, I mean, it's, it's incredible that you're giving me this platform, bro. Like I I love that. I'm able to connect with people that I would probably get along with, but I don't have the means to travel to Ohio or wherever (laughs) and talk to these people. So anyone that's watching this, that was entertained, man, I I'm, I'm so happy to connect with like with you. And, and, and I, I really appreciate that all of you are interested in, you know, research, my research, psychedelic research. I'm honored and I'm thrilled. And I got to say that the energy you give inspires me in the lab every single day. All the comments. Yeah, you guys, there's some trolls. But the trolls are going to be trolls. Yeah. But the people that like want to convey a message of positivity, one single message of continue what you're doing Zeus or go on or or don't stop bro I cannot tell you how much that resonates with me whenever I'm in the lab by myself and I'm thinking I'm I'm, I I have this array of like opto set up and I'm like man is this all worth it like is it and then I read a message and I'm like it is bro of course I'm gonna keep on going of course it's worth it so thank you so much for everybody to give me, you know, I just, I love that. I love the energy. I love the love that you guys give me, man. It's, it's, we need our, people like you. It's all our honor because we need it. I'm like, somebody needs to figure this out. It's we not going to be me. It. It's not going to be me. Look, look, I'll say it this way. <laughs> I'm not going to say it this out, way, but I'll put it this way. I will support the people that are. It's almost like anymore, like whatever you want. You can, oh, is that on Amazon? Is that on Google? Can I find this? Is it built or made or this or that? Right. Like, had to take a little bit of sifting through to find you, right? But now that we've, like, connected with you, it's like, yeah, like, you're the type of person we've been looking to to talk to, or at least me personally even, right? Like, yeah. I want to know this. And by extension, sorry, audience, but you're going to have to hear it too. And we hope you enjoy yeah. it because we're thoroughly entertained and mind-blown every time that we sit down and talk with you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like what you're telling us in the research that you guys found. We can detect areas. We, we know you're seeing a face right now. Oh, you're tripping in black and white. You're, tri- you're like, What? Like, and eventually, yeah. if you can get that to a point, you're just crazy. putting that helmet on and somebody's walking around and they're like, they got a little sign or a signal saying, hey, this is what they're feeling like right now. This is where they're at. You know, you could identify, hey, go help that person. We can tell clearly, like, they need hands. They're like, seeing some shit. Yeah. That's so <laughs> wild. So kudos to you. Keep doing what yeah. you're doing. Like, nothing, I can't wait to talk to you again. Nothing but love and support. Like, if you ever need anything, man, hit us know. up. Hit us up um, any any time you want to come on and talk about your research. The door is always yep. open. Yep. Um, again, as always, in our first episode with you was very popular. It was so much fun. People were loving it so and sharing fun. it, and there was engagement. And yep. it was, you know, I got yelled at in the comments. That's okay. I, it's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I never, I don't take it personal. Hey man, I can I was, tell people, if you tell I me I talk told, too much, I'll say, I know. The guy in the blue shirt needs to sit down and shut up and let him talk and you need to take some mushrooms, sir. Let yellow shirt guy yeah, talk. Yeah, he's like, 
He's like, you need to take some mushroom. I'm like, bro, you're telling me. Okay. <laughs> I we got a good, so good we got a good kick out. It was so good. Yeah. So I tried to let you talk more this time, Zeus. <laughs> Thank you out there, YouTube commenter. Dude. <laughs> we love it. We love it. Yeah, but always a good time, man. You're just a good hang. This has been fun. We always have for laughs. Sure. Um, you know We're gonna make it in real life sometime though. Oh well, we're gonna yeah, hang out in real sure. life for sure. Lost, Lost Lands. lands. <laughs> yeah. Lost Lands twenty twenty four. Zeus Depot is coming your way. That would be um, good. That would be so good. much fun. Zeus, let everybody know where where we can find you, where they can connect, uh, follow you, look at your research, all those things. Yeah, man. So uh, you can follow me on uh, X, is what it's called now, uh, at Tapado T I P A D O. That's my handle on X. You can also follow me on Instagram and at. T-I-P-A-D-O. That's my handle on Instagram. You can also follow me on TikTok. My handle is T-I-P-A-D-O. And if you want to look at all of my research, all of the papers that I've written, all of my uh, everything, everything that I've done about psychedelics, you can find me on T-I-P-A-D-O.com, which is my last <laughs> name. It's easy. So it's all there, guys. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, wow. Another mind bender with Zeus Tapato. Uh, Zeus, don't go anywhere. Uh, we really want to, from the bottom of our hearts and our audience, thank you so much for coming back on The Strange Road. You're awesome. Returning champ. For all Zeus of you that Tapato. don't know, too, like the time difference for him. Yeah. He's he's way ahead of us, so this you know yeah. he he's making some sacrifices to do this because he's obviously doing a lot of work in the lab too. So that's right. Kudos, man. We appreciate the hell out of you. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. I, it's it's late here. I have an early morning tomorrow, but it's worth it, and and I I love it. It's fantastic. Awesome, man. Well, we're gonna outro the show. Don't go anywhere. We're gonna give you a proper goodbye. Zeus Tapato, everybody. Awesome. Fantastic. Freaking amazing. Bro, I'll tell you what. We're going to make this a quick outro because my head is – my cup is full, as they Spinning. say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've been we've been on a real – we've been on we a – got deep on this one. We've been, we've been getting deep. My brain has just dug deep. Well, he it's makes like, you think the whole time. Yeah. It's, I, not that we don't think in our other episode, but, like, it's a different thought. It's a different deep grind of thinking about, like, what does that actually mean and what does that actually yeah. – how does that – you know, and just – just when we're talking about perception and how how are we mm-hmm. doing it, and yeah. it gets weird. It, I have my weird theories, but I am by no means smart enough to be a neuroscientist or psychedelic researcher. Hey. But I have some intuitions that I like exploring with people like Zeus yeah. that are open-minded and actually know Give what they're talking feedback. about sure. in terms of how the brain really works, not just right. my stoner theories. Right. Uh, but, guys— all Check of you out there, out. yeah, go. All the links are in the description. Uh, at Tapato, you heard him. You can wherever you can find <laughs> Zeus. Please Tapato.com. do reach out and thank you to everybody in the chat. Everybody hanging out with us tonight. You guys rule. Uh, go follow Necro Mechanimal. He's doing all the dope artwork for the show. You can He's follow awesome. us at The Strange Road on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Go check out the Facebook group. Um, go check out the merch store. Yeah, The Strange Road Merch Store dot com. Or sorry, The Strange. Strange Road Merch.com. Yep. 
Please like, subscribe, and share. You got to hit that notification bell there in YouTube, man. You're not going to be able to find us. You're never um, going to know when this is happening. You're never going to know when this is happening and when this gets released yeah. or the next episode gets released. So we'll keep you, you guessing. You can subscribe, but until you hit that notification bell, you're just not going to know what's going on. So um, we would love everybody to write us a review, shout us out on Spotify or Apple. Uh, we've been doing really, really well. Our Spotify uh, audience has grown so much in the last year and all of the listeners. So we appreciate all of you listening. I mean, we have countries, um, gosh, I mean, Canada, very active, We're in like 40 Australia, countries. New Zealand, um, Japan, UK, uh, Mexico, UK, South Africa. So all it's of you out there listening popping. and watching, um, you know, all over Europe, uh, wherever you're at, thank we you. Appreciate the hell out of each and every one of you. We are signing out. I'm Mikey. This is Bub. Love, peace, and chicken grease. Later, everybody. <laughs>